we had an inbound call from Whole Foods in the spring of 2016. They called us and it was really, you know, how fast can we go and let's go. <laughs> so they helped us to get our first set of distributors on the East Coast. And we launched retail in January of 2017 in six states. We ended the year in 42. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, the podcast for brands in the health and wellness space who want to be irresistible, not only to consumers, but to investors and retailers. Here we talk to successful entrepreneurs about the inspiring stories that help them start and grow their awesome brands. And we also talk to investors, leaders in private equity, and retail buyers about what makes brands irresistible to them. Welcome everyone to this episode of The Irresistible Factor. Today, I am talking with Mark Warren, who is the president and co-founder of Fit Vine Wines. And I'm so excited to talk to you, Mark, because I haven't talked to anyone who made wine specifically with the health conscious and health and wellness target in mind. And so I'm excited to hear about how you came to be and what inspires you to do that. So first, welcome to the podcast. I'm really happy to have you here. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So can you start by just telling us a little bit about what your inspiration was and why this brand came to be? Sure. Uh, so we started the company in 2015. Um, my business partner and co-founder, Tom Beaton, and I, you know, both previous athletes, Tom played hockey through high school and college and a little toe in the water in Canadian League for a little bit. Oh, wow. uh, and I was in martial arts competitively for two decades. I to make my way to the Olympics. It was not successful, but so we always had a fitness background and and we had built a couple of small technology companies together, and those were services companies and were more for, you know, uh, to not work for somebody else, but not really a passion. It was not something we, you know, were loving what we were doing. We just were trying to find a way not to enter a cubicle every day. But we always oh, both had, <laughs> yeah. so we both always had affinity for wine. And as we were getting older and trying to still pretend to be athletes or stay somewhat in shape. You know, we were looking at what were we consuming for alcohol. Stopped drinking beer over a decade ago. Just won't agree with my system. Have one, and I felt like you know someone popped me with helium. So you know, we started looking at wine as you know, was there an entrance point into that into fitness? Because you know, I got into CrossFit over ten years ago. We go to some of these CrossFit competitions, or you go to a mud run, or my wife is an Ironman triathlete, so you go to you know, some of these events like that. And you'd always see a lot of times like a beer, like a light beer or something after. And a lot of the spirits started jumping into that, but you wouldn't see wine. I mean, you don't go into a baseball stadium or football stadium and see a big, you know, wine billboard. It would always be dominated by the beer category. So, you know, our thought process was, you know, is there an opportunity to introduce wine into a kind of lifestyle and, you know, bring a, a cleaner version to that? So unfortunately, like many things that are, you know, made, uh, a lot of wines are mass produced with additives and other things just, you know, unfortunately bring things like extra sugar or other things into, you know, the production process that don't need to be there. And those can negatively impact people. My wife is one of them. We can go out to dinner and she gets a bottle of wine and has a glass that has too many sulfites or too much sugar or something else in it. She can't get her wedding ring off in 15 or 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a, a selfish approach to what we were looking for is we couldn't find something in a, in a, you know, normal price point. I mean, you know, there's plenty of wines that we found that are, you know, in the 50, 70, hundred dollar price range that, you know, are made very well as well. But, you know, that $15 price point of an everyday, uh, you know, bottle of wine that most people, that's what the average consumer will drink today. We couldn't find something that met our needs. So that kind of sent us down our journey to see if it was something we could create. And so, 
we had a friend of ours that Tom had known from years ago and he was spending a lot of time on the West Coast in tech that was a winemaker out in Lodi, California. We reached out to him and said, you know, this is what we want to do. We want to try and make a, you know, super low sugar, uh, great tasting wine that's still full alcohol. You know, how can we do that? And so it took us a little while to get the taste profiles together, but really the approach is what they'll call an old world wine style of making the wine. Um, you know, it takes a little longer. We ferment the grapes out longer, which really is, you know, it's a natural process where you're just converting the yeast into alcohol and it basically takes out the sugar. That's not an unknown thing. Unfortunately, a lot of the California wines today reintroduce sugar with things like what's called mega purple or super purple. Like you can't add just sugar into wine in California. It's called chapterization that's illegal, but there are 76 different additives you can use, a lot of more flavor additives that, you know, some companies want a $15 bottle of wine to look like a $60 bottle of wine. They want it to be dark and have what they'll call legs. Well, that's unfortunately concentrate that comes in, which reintroduces a lot of sugar. Uh, and so a lot of times- That's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, people don't know about that at all. No, they, you know, the wine process is put out there or labels aren't on wines uh, like many alcohols. So they don't hear about those things. Uh, no. As well as sulfites, you know, sulfites, yeah. you know, an average wine could sit somewhere between 75 and 150 parts per million. They can get all the way north up into 300. So we wanted to get as low as possible with still being uh, shelf stable. So our, all our wines are uh, under 30 parts per million, um, wow. typically in the mid 20s. So it still gives it the stability to be on the shelf, but it's a lot less impactful on the body. So those are the, you know, our objectives in, in coming to market was, you know, to bring something that we wanted to drink. And at the end of the day, how to taste good because, you know, I mean, athletes were easy. As we get out there and we talk to people who are cyclists or runners or crossfitters, you tell someone to eat cauliflower rice instead of regular rice, but they'll be a little faster on their bike, they'll do it. We didn't want to be the cauliflower rice of wine. At the end of the day, it had to taste good. So, you know, that was our, our you know, our objective. It might be full alcohol, full taste, and then, you know, some attributes to go along with it that really people are starting to look for because we've seen you know, the shift in, uh, you know, overall in people's consumptions. I mean, you've seen people move away from sugary drinks that are non-alcoholic. I mean, you have companies like Coca-Cola and Pepsi buying coconut water companies yeah. because people are not drinking the, the level of, you know, soda and other things like that that they used to. So people have started to shift away. And as they're looking at, you know, really still being able to have balance in their life, you know, most people won't give up everything. So they say, you know, is there something that's, you know, whether it's a, a lighter ice cream, you know, my wife yeah. will buy, you know, like coconut milk ice cream or yeah. something, uh, you know, a, it's still an indulgence, but is there a better op offering in that yeah. indulgence? So you have that balance in your life. Yeah. So tell me how you're doing with the business, because it's interesting. And there's a lot behind it that I think even, I mean, I, I've done a little digging on your company and I didn't know a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot that goes into it. So how is it going so far from a, where you thought you would be perspective, what the interest level is, you know, are you getting the consumers you thought you wanted? Mm -hmm. It's going very well. I mean, we started in a very non-traditional way. The alcohol business, most people don't know, has what's called a three-tier system. So it's set up uh, where this goes all the way back to prohibition. After prohibition, there were distributors put in place. So, you know, we don't sell directly to a retailer like Whole Foods mm -hmm. or Kroger or Publix. We sell to a state distributor who then turns around and sells it to that store. So they are more or less the gatekeepers. And like any other business, they're, you know, consolidated into the big players in the country. And, you know, if you don't have them, you can't get to certain retailers. You know, somebody like Kroger, uh, if, you know, being that they're national, if you don't have the right network of distributors, 
you can't get into their stores because they won't work with some of the small mom and pop uh, distributors. So initially, when we launched the business in 2015, we did so just online. So we built it as an e-commerce business uh, and started it inside of social media. And it was very grassroots. Tom and I literally with wine on our shoulders and going into anywhere we could pour wine, CrossFit gyms, yoga studios, mud rums. We'd be at Lululemon on Sunday nights. They're having, they're having a VIP night and the doors are locked. And they're like, okay, we're allowed to bring X amount of people pouring wine in there. So that was kind of our initial uh, go-to-market strategy. And then to see if it was uh, a larger consumer base than just people who were you know, fitness centric and there was. So we saw that, you know, a lot of the people that are coming to watch these events were more aspirational. So they're saying, you know, I may not be this yogi or cyclist or crossfitter, but, you know, I want to, you know, make some better choices in my life or maybe at lunch instead of going to get fast food, I'll go for a walk. So they were trying to just make better choices, but still wanting to enjoy uh, a glass of wine. So then it was, oh, I have an offering here that can be one of those better choices and still enjoy a glass of wine. So that's what really open the door to, you know, the larger consumer base. So uh, that drove us to getting into retail. We had an inbound call from Whole Foods in the spring of 2016. They called us and it was really, you know, how fast can we go and let's go. <laughs> so they helped us to get our first set of distributors on the East Coast. And we launched retail in January of 2017 in six states. We ended the year in 42. Wow. Uh, it took us about let's stop five for one months later. I want to stop on that because I really... First of all, you already know this because we talked about it, but congratulations on getting called by Whole Foods because Thank that you. is so unusual. Mm. And I think I'm sure you guys at that point already knew how unusual that was. So you must mm -hmm. have been elated when that happened. And yeah, it, it was you know, nervous right? and elated. Yeah. yeah, it was like, yeah. oh my yeah. God, we got a call. But then it was like, okay, how do we succeed at this? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It was like excitement and nervousness simultaneously. Yes, yes. but it's really unusual for that to happen. And I just wonder if I'm thinking about people who are listening to this and trying to figure out what they're doing, what do you think you guys did differently that made that happen versus what normally happens is people make their products and it doesn't matter what the category is, if it's a health and wellness food drink product, they are out there hustling to get into any stores that they can. They are not getting the calls like that. So what do you guys think you did differently to make that happen? I mean, not coming from the alcohol background definitely helped us because we took a much different approach had we been, you know, kind of tunnel vision to saying, oh, this is how it's normally done. So, you know, did we make mistakes, you know, because we didn't know that? Yes. But I'd say eight out of 10 times it was beneficial to yeah. not have come from the industry. I think, you know, our focus really was our consumer. And so as we built our initial loyalty of our customers, they started asking us, you know, I love your wine, but, you know, I don't always want to sit and wait for FedEx or UPS or whatever. Yeah. Why can't I get it in my store? Why can't I get it in my favorite restaurant? So we just started asking them for help and said, you know, can you ask your favorite store to carry this? So as we started kind of promoting the brand and that mannerism, they became our salespeople because they were the ones going into the stores and asking for it. And that's what drove, you know, it was Whole Foods, Total Wine, Walmart called us. Uh, I mean, we had, we've had a lot of inbound calls that, you know, our partners in, that have been in CPG for decades are like, this doesn't happen. So I would say it's definitely, you know, uh, we, we have to give credit to our, our consumers who have been loyal to the brand and love the brand. They're the ones who have gone in. Uh, I recall very vividly receiving a call from the New Hampshire wine steward for Whole Foods. And he was laughing when he's calling and he's like, please tell me you have a distributor in Hampshire. He's like, I'm getting yelled at 
by customers coming into my wow. store saying, you're Whole Foods. Why don't you have this? He's like, I don't know if you put liquid gold in there or what to do. He's like, well, how fast can I get to one? <laughs> he was he was like giggling because he's like, I can't believe I'm being yelled at by a customer if I'm not carrying a specific product. So it was really driven by our, our consumers, you know, because they, you know, they have a, an affinity towards a brand. And that's what we're, you know, that's our goal is to expand upon that and, and really share with what we feel is a, you know, very good wine that kind of brings balance. I mean, it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's still alcohol and, you know, it's not about overconsumption or, right. you know, can alcohol solve any problems in the world? I'd say the only thing, you know, our, I feel like our wine can bring to, people's lives and balance. I mean, you know, everybody has high amount of stress and whether you're a business professional and or family or, you know, these last 12 months, people, 14 months, people have been stuck, you know, having to suddenly become teachers and homeschool, all these kind of, you know, things that come in. And so can be some balance in life. And that's really, you know, if that brings some happiness into people's lives and we can do that, then that's a win. That's really cool. And I think that a lot of times, once you start to grow, you start to think about a lot of things like distribution and like your supply chain and the consumer sometimes, your customer sometimes gets sort of backburnered and it doesn't sound like you have ever done that. And I think that's a big, I mean, obviously it contributed a lot to your success in those retailers, but that's a really important thing. And I think you, sometimes you lose sight of it as you grow. And so that's really cool that you guys haven't. Yeah, I would say that, you know, for anyone who's starting a business or they're trying to grow their business, I mean, it's, you know, they say in sales, selling is not selling, it's listening. Mm -hmm. And if you're not paying attention, I mean, we've, I still answer all the comments on social media. (laughs) And there is no 800 number, you know, the customer service line rings through our our office phone. If it doesn't hit that, it hits my cell phone. So we, we try to do our best to make sure that we're listening and, you know, hearing that if there's something that's not right or whatever, we can fix it. But, you know, paying attention to what they want. And when we started, we started with just two varietals. We started with Cabernet and Chardonnay because they were the two most consumed and well-recognized varietals. And from there, every varietal we've added has been based on the ask of our customers. Mm -hmm. So we didn't want something until somebody was like, oh, why don't you have a Pinot Noir? Or why don't you have a Rosé? So We've tried to do our best to really focus on what's being asked and making sure that, you know, the taste profile and everything we're doing aligns with what people are looking for. So I would say that's probably the number one thing that I could offer is advice is just don't let go of that direct connection to your consumer because, you know, you can, you can get over, over-focused on distribution or the channel yeah. or this and that. And so, you know, making sure that you have people who can do that, but making sure there's someone on your team that's honing in and listening to the your customers. Yeah. Have you had any big challenges or do you have anything that like, I want to be here in three years, but I have this thing that's sort of standing in front of me that I have to find my way around. Are you at that place? Yeah. I mean, our biggest challenge is really the industry. Um, you know, most alcohol brands, definitely in the wine business, you know, you look at, you know, inside of wine, the last self-standing brand that was launched uh, individually that really rocketed was Kendall Jackson. You know, back in the eighties, that was Jess Jackson who, you know, read a book of, called uh, A Man in His Mountain. He's got a awesome background of how he's, you know, went from he's a police officer at one point, became an attorney. I mean, he, he had a very interesting background. But most brands are launched under uh big guys. I mean, it's yeah. you know, seventy four percent of the wine sold in the United States is sold by four companies. So our biggest challenge being an independent brand is, you know, we're up against 
you know, it, for Goliath, uh, as David. Yeah. So it's, that's our challenge is just getting, being that we're in this three-tier system. And then as you get into retail, how do we get enough attention out of our distributors? Because, you know, even though we are the fastest growing wine brand in the United States, you know, we are a very small piece of yeah. their P&L compared to, yeah. you know, the large suppliers in the world. So getting their attention, make sure we're getting the execution uh, that we need at retail and also getting, you know, the retailer's attention. So that's our biggest challenge that won't go away. I mean, as we grow, you know, people would love for us not to grow at the speed we're growing because ultimately that means we're taking shelf space away from somebody else. So, and that will happen in any industry. You know, if you're launching, you know, a new competing product, you know, most of the time, unless you're Apple who creates products we don't even know we want, (laughs) most other products that are being launched are, uh, you know, an existing segment and you're taking shelf space or sales away from somebody else. So that's the biggest challenge is being able to keep velocity and focus on our brand and and getting the timeshare of our distributors and and retailers. Are there other brands that are like you guys that have come up since you started or there are the big guys making things like what you're making to compete with you yet? So previous to us, you know, in, in, I mean, the wine, I think, by the time they launched the wine, it was no longer hers, but it was you know, Beth, Bethany Frankel had her skinny girl that yeah. she started as a margarita mix and that sold the Jim Beam and they, it's still out in the market. You know, they've, it's been around for a while. It's less alcohol and yeah. you know, a lot more sugar. Yeah. Uh, past couple of years, then Weight Watchers had launched their own. They came out at like 9% alcohol and it was still more sugar. You know, you start cutting alcohol out of wine, yeah. it starts yeah. taking away taste. Other than that, I mean, in the last year, all the big guys have launched uh, their own, but they're, they're still trying to play kind of in the middle of, Hey, I'm a wine, I'm a seltzer. Yeah. So they're between yeah. eight, and 9% alcohol. They're adding a little bubbly to it because yeah. you cut that much alcohol out of wine, you're really cutting out all the taste. So they'll add some effervescence into it to try and mask that. And they're trying to attack the seltzer category simultaneously to the better for you category in wine. Uh, and we still beat all of them in sugar. So yeah. that's where we kind of stand today is as far as, you know, it is competition because they're so big, they can get out and make placements now, right, whether or not right. consumers want it or they'll buy it once and not come back, but it can take away that, you know, floor stack of a hundred cases that should have been ours. So that's a, it is definitely a, a different look this year than it was last year that we have eight big boy competitors dropping low alcohol wines on the market to compete against us. And we've, we've seen some of their internal decks that, yeah. you know, salespeople, you know, go from company to company or they work somewhere else for years. So they still have friends. And we've, you know, seen some of the number one, number two, number three wine companies in the world, their sales decks and fit finds a number one competitor. So we'll take that as a compliment. What a compliment. What a compliment. compliment. That's amazing. Um, Have you guys done everything on your own so far or have you done a capital raise or? So when we launched a business, it was, we had done it all on our own up until 2018. So as we, we were self-funding and kind of taking, you know, AP and AR and just kind of rolling yep. it back. In. Yep. But we were growing faster than AR could commit. You know, some distributors are, I mean, everybody's net 30, some are net 60 and, you know, people don't yep. pay their bills on time. So we, uh, and at that time, really didn't even have a sales team. It was still Tom and I, we had a couple of people working as brokers. So in middle of 2018, we had hired investment bankers that we knew to help us um, bring in a partner. And we were looking for a strategic partner. So we partnered with a family office out of Kansas City. So Tom and I still uh, run the company, have control of the company. We didn't sell the company out. So in their vision as well is, you know, they've been at business for, they're on their fifth generation. They're not like a private equity firm that's, you know, comes and invests and then looks to sell the whole thing. 
So it was, you know, really to help us inject some rocket fuel behind what we were doing to, you know, for long-term growth, because not being a family office, they don't have to answer somebody else. So it's not, we're on a timeline of a private equity firm because, you know, they have other people's money that's invested that they have to return. So with that, they helped come in. Our executive chairman had been in CBG for the last three decades, specifically in food and agriculture. So he had some great experience on just the foundational pieces that we needed to set forth for growth. So coming in and, you know, help building out our sales team, looking at manufacturing, we had a bottling line that was 35 years old. So we invested money to go and have built and purchase a brand new bottling line built in Italy. It's now state of the art. It's one of the most, you know, technologically advanced bottling lines in all of uh, California. So now, I mean, that's set for, you know, growth yeah. and we won't have any bottlenecks there, which is important. It also ties into the cleanliness of the wine. You know, wine filtration processes can make wine non-vegan and non-gluten-free yeah. because of some of the processes they use. So all the technology we have in place allows us to stay gluten-free and vegan. Uh, our wines actually get filtered four times through this, what's called a cross-flow filtration to remove any impurities. So pretty advanced, but that, so yeah. they helped us to do that, to, you know, be set forth as we've now brought on retailers like Kroger and Albertsons and Publix and Walmart, Rite Aid. So by the middle of the summer, we'll be in over 25,000 retail locations oh uh, and a lot more to go. So it, it's been a, a good injection into, you know, Tom and I's vision to, yeah. to really grow this into, you know, we want to grow this into a top 10, potentially top five wine brand in the U.S. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. So you just answered it. That's a very <laughs> exciting goal. Yes, yeah. it's a big challenge, but I think we're up for it. Yeah, it sounds like you're on your well on the way. Awesome. There's so much good stuff in here. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to share? Any other, like, I have one more word of wisdom. You have to remember this one thing um, for people who are listening. Uh, I would say most definitely to have a, you want to call them a consigliere or you want to call them, uh, you know, a guide or somebody, somebody that sits outside the day-to-day craziness that can look at things on a macro level Mm -hmm. and bounce things off of definitely helps. Uh, a good friend of Tom Weiss, uh, who has, uh, he owns a local CPA firm. I mean, he's taking care of taxes and stuff like that, whatever, but he's been like, he helped us manage through the raise and look at things. And a lot, you know, a lot of times just sitting with him for an hour and just saying, here's the craziness that's going on can really help to just get you back down to earth, not let things, you know, uh, spiral, I say have spiral out of control, but a lot of times stress levels get so out yeah, there, things feel bigger than they are, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, definitely it's been a, a huge uh, help to have somebody that's, you know, he's got multiple clients that have done this. And I mean, one of their clients just sold, you know, north of $4 billion. Wow. So, you know, there's, you know, macro level, micro level, and everybody in between that he's worked with, for, you know, 30 years. So experiences and, you know, most of the, you know, the hiccups or pitfalls or things you can run into and being able to kind of help us just take a deep breath and get our eyes, you know, refocus where we're going. I think that's been a big help because I mean, building any company, it, it's stressful. It's stressful on, you know, Tom and I stressful on our families, you know, there's going to be good days and bad days. So, you know, I would say the number one thing is definitely have somebody, a mentor that, you know, just helps to, you know, you, you have your significant others, but it's not always healthy not to go home and right. unload on them and stress them out. <laughs> It's, right, right. Make and your household stressful. Well, so. and you still are putting your filter on that. So it, having yeah. someone with who doesn't have your filter is and isn't so laser focused on the business is probably. I mean, I've heard that from a lot of people that it's really helpful to get perspective. 
just yes. get an outside perspective. So that's good advice. I really appreciate that. And I'm sure a lot yeah. of people will too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I, I think this is great. And I wish you all the success in the world. Thank I know. You. And I can't wait to have my wine. So I'm I, I love to hear your, your, I want honest feedback of what, you know, what